Welcome to the Mettler Marketing Podcast, where we will talk about marketing strategies and tactics to grow your practice. I am your host, Linda Mettler, and I have worked with dental practices for several years now, and I want to share my knowledge and experience with you so that you can gain valuable and actionable steps on how to grow your practice. We will talk about the latest and greatest in marketing, feature some guest speakers so that you can hear firsthand what is and is not working, and help you unravel the complexities of the digital marketing world. I work really closely with my clients, so we will also delve into some other issues that affect your practice from time to time, such as staffing problems, COVID protocols, and similar issues. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Linda Mettler, and I'm so excited today because uh, we get to chat. I have a guest, and we get to chat with him um, about what's going on in the world of practice transitions and and buying and selling your practice, and I'm very excited today. So I get to welcome Carl Fry, and he is the principal and owner of Fry Practice Sales and Healthcare Real Estate, located in Scottsdale, Arizona. And Carl has over 15-year-plus career uh, background in commercial healthcare banking and lending. He's got tons of experience and you know, started his healthcare sales and transition practice in 2013. And I'm so excited to have him here as a guest today. So Carl, thank you so much for coming on the show and joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Linda. It's great to be here and chat about uh, transitions, buying, selling, acquisitions. It's a, it's a pretty active marketplace, so it's, it's great to be here and talk about the things that uh, I see daily and do daily that are, you know, kind of a a fun part of the and of the of the industry that we all get to be a part of. Yes, I'm so so excited to chat with you today. It's definitely a lot going on in the industry from a lot of different aspects aspects and but a big question i have for you is carl you have such an extensive background in in the financial world and i think that gives you a really unique perspective and experience for your clients but my question is what is the biggest challenge right now for a dentist who is trying to purchase a practice do you feel like the challenge is financial or do you feel like there are other factors affecting the marketplace right now there's so much going on. Yeah, no, I thought that uh, there's a there's a lot of different uh, you know acquisition types going on in the marketplace, and so I think it it really changes. I mean, you have the docs that are just kind of put, dipping their toe in the water. Uh, that's a first time buyer. You have the docs that are buying multiple practices. You have the the corporate uh, consolidation piece going on from DSOs to MSOs to private equity. I mean. Um, there's all these different acronyms that doctors are hearing that they never heard before that are influencing their decisions or should be influencing their decisions or maybe shouldn't be influencing their decisions. So, you know, there's a lot of, uh, lot of noise out there and uh, it, it creates challenges for, you know, the, the first time guys as well as also the, uh, you know, just the, the money in the marketplace. So I think that really going back to your question about the most um, challenging piece or what's the biggest factor is. It's not necessarily the financing. The financing piece is, is is a challenge, and rates have risen. We've seen that in the past 90 days more so than anybody really expected to go so quickly. Um, but rates are still relatively really good. 
Um, I can remember back when I was in banking that um, when Prime was at eight and a quarter and then it went down to five and a quarter and everybody's saying, get in now, it's never going to go lower. And it did, you know, so uh, rates are cyclical. Uh, that's kind of what happens in the, in the marketplace. I saw that when I was in commercial banking and healthcare banking, and I used to run the state here for a, a large dental focused bank. And so um, I've seen that and the, the rates don't necessarily concern me as much. You're, you're typically getting a, a long-term fixed rate and it's not going to be a terrible, you know, double digit 15, 20% rate. That's really going to um, have right. an extensive effect on your ability to purchase a practice. Um, I mean, it is it is higher. So obviously someone who might have been uh, just barely able to get that loan for their $2 million practice or their million dollar practice or whatever it was might have a challenge now. And, you know, that that might cause some, you know, just changes in how the deal gets done. It, it shouldn't kill a deal per se. I mean, the difference between three and a half and four and a half percent over a 10 or a 15 year period really doesn't amount to a whole lot of money because the banks are going to look at it. What does it cost per month? How does that affect your ability to cash flow based on what the practice is providing as well as also how do you live your life? Are you, you know, frugal? Are you multiple um, country clubs? I mean, that, that all has an act like a, you know, an impact on how the deal gets done. So um, I think that it's just, it's changing the, the overall, it, it's creating buyers to, um, think twice when, you know, maybe they shouldn't. So I don't think that the finance uh, is the main, you know, piece that, that's driving or affecting the marketplace right now. I think, um, you know, you're comparing docs coming in that are getting 100% financing plus working capital to, and they're buying a practice from a doctor who didn't get any money or went to their parents or, you know, but, you know, went out there and created this thing. So it's a very different type of dynamic of what is today's market versus the, the sellers. They're, they're of the aspect, hey, I got in here. I built this thing. I borrowed money. I scratched. I, you know, I you know, ate ramen for a long time. You know, there's, there's ways <laughs> right. that you get things done if you want to get it done. So it's, it's a different mindset. But um, I think the, the, the challenges now is you have a, have a lot of noise out there. You have uh, you have buyer brokers, you have CPAs that are playing brokers, you have, uh, there's just a lot of different uh, outlooks. And sometimes that gets challenging when you're looking at buying a practice and you're getting all these reports together and you're sending it off to somebody who's remote and giving you this idea that, well, you need 900 and 875 patients, active patients over the past 18 months isn't going to be enough. And I think there's a, a lot that, um, it's just coming into play when, I mean, there's a lot to look at when you're buying a practice. And so I think, um, you know, being confident in the information you're getting, the bank is going to underwrite that deal. The bank's not going to give you money if they don't think the deal is going to get done. You know, their banks don't write right. bad deals within the dental space. The dental portfolio within a bank is typically the best. It's got a you know, 0. 0. 0.00 whatever, one, two, five you know, loss rate, the thing is pretty strong. So right. uh, I think the rest right. assured for the most part that the banks can be doing their due diligence. You're going to do yours. Uh, you're going to typically have a broker who's provided you uh, a bevy of information on top of more information going through, you know, whatever type of maintenance plans there are, recall, all these items come into play. So I, I think that really it's just 
being comfortable with the lender's going to give you the money. You're going to be able to review all your, all the, the, any sort of, you know, chart you want to have the audit done on, go ahead and do it. Um, so I, I think it's really the, the financing piece isn't as much. I think it's getting comfortable and understanding really what you're buying. And you typically have a, a good aspect of that with a good broker, a banker, um, and, and your CPA involvement. Um, I think that you should be set up for success. Uh, dental practices are, are, are a good bet still in today's market. I think so too. Obviously, I love the, love the dental industry, love all my dental clients. And I always hear, like, like you mentioned a minute ago, one of the things that dentists are worried about is, you know, how many patients do they have over the last 18 months? You know, what's their trajectory for new patients? What's their annual revenue? I hear that a lot. So many of my clients are always concerned about, you know, marketing and getting those new patients on board when they're thinking about, or if they're thinking about transitioning in the next three to five years, they say, oh my gosh, we've got to really beef up our marketing and, you know, sure. take our patient base from 900 to 1100 in the next two years and that kind of thing. So I hear, I hear that little aspect of it a lot. So yeah, but no, I, that's I, a good thing. You want to have the yeah. marketing piece that you provide in play because a lot of times these yeah. practices are bringing in 18 to 25 new patients a month with no marketing. So you're like, okay, well, we're not doing anything. We're relying on internal marketing, which is great. We right. have a great staff who's driving it. That's awesome. And yes, then just, you know, absolutely. you've got to start, you know, putting in a little, you know, seasoning here and there that obviously you can help them out with on a tremendous aspect. So I think there's tons of upside and that's how everything Oh, yeah, helps. yeah. Yeah, every client that I that I work with that's been in practice for, you know, maybe 15 plus years, I know that's the the strategy that they have is that they're looking to, you know, to beef up, you know, that patient base and that annual revenue, you know, so that they can sell in a few years. So, it's a good thing, but I know there are a lot of caveats and a lot of different things to look at. Like you say, not just the financing, but just so many things. What what are some of the challenges for offices that want to sell right now versus somebody who wants to buy a practice? Are they the same yeah, no, challenges or are they different? You know, I think they're all going to, on the, on the sales side, it's going to be unique because just like, you know, we've been talking about, there's so many different aspects. You know, It's not just, okay, Dr. Johnson's going to sell to Dr. Smith. Dr. Johnson's going to stay on for 12 months or 18 months or 24 months and then he or she's going to ride off into the sunset. Um, it's just not that cut and dry. Do we still do those every day? Yes, of course. That's still normal. But I think some of the bigger challenges is just who do you want to sell to? What do you really want to do? What is your exit strategy? And, and, and those are the things that I try to, you know, that we talk about, that I try to talk about with my, with my clients. Right, what do you really want to do? How far off are you? Do you are you burnt out on ownership? Or are you burnt out on dentistry? What, what are the two, you know, what's the difference here? Do you have an associate that you want to start transitioning to? And, you know, maybe we'll sell off a, a piece. You know, it doesn't have to be 100%. It doesn't have to oh, be 51%. So you can start, you know, selling off a, and creating, you know, you'll have a owner with 75% and an owner with 25%. Maybe you do have a kind of a, a staggered type of transition plan. We do those. Uh, and that comes into play a lot with associates because they want a piece of it. They want to feel that they're, you know, ingrained here outside of just showing up and working and they want a little piece of the pie. So 
I think that's always a good way to to start looking at it. And, and sometimes that works. Sometimes that doesn't. Obviously, with the different types of personalities, um, you know, you gotta navigate that. But I think really, it's it's are we there yet? Is it time for? Do you want to hang up your handpiece, or do you just want to take some, you know, take a step back and go from five days to three days a week? Because that changes the dynamics of your practice too, and we see that a lot. I, I call it taking your foot off the gas. And I say, don't do that because unless you have something in there to supplement those day or two of dentistry that you want to start taking away, your practice is going to, to see a dip. And nobody, when you're selling, you, you don't want your asset to start depreciating. It's like anything. If you're going to go sell your home, you're not going to say, okay, let's stop cutting the lawn because we want to sell this right. thing. It just, or let's not paint it. You know, no, all these things you want to create to have this appreciating asset that you're selling, you want to continue that. So let's figure out a game plan for that. If it's selling to an associate, okay. If it's selling to someone in the open marketplace, okay. If you do want to start discussing the, you know, the, the private equity route, the DSO route, uh, I mean, there, that, there's a, a route for that too. And I would say it's, it's, there's not a necessarily a bad strategy. It's just have a strategy and I no strategy. I guess it is a bad strategy. <laughs> no, I love that, Carl, because I am such a strategist. And, you know, I, I work with so many clients that, you know, when I, when I first meet them, they're, they kind of have the shotgun, shotgun approach. You know, they're throwing money at Google ads and pay-per-click and maybe some social media and, you know, a friend of a friend's brother-in-law is hosting their website and they're trying to see what sticks. And I, I tell them to scrap all that and start with a strategy. What is it you want your practice to be? Who do you want your new, you know, who do you want to work with? Who do you want your patients? What do they look like? You know, do you want to work with teenagers or moms or dads? Are you a general dentist? Are you a prostodontist? You, you know, I love strategy because that's really how you can get things done so effectively. So I love that you're a, str a fellow strategist because I really think strategy is the foundation of a successful dental practice. I mean, you know, in all aspects, at all stages, whether you're just starting out or looking to sell your practice, it's it, the exit strategy is a strategy, like you say. Um, so I love that. I think that's awesome. That's like my favorite word is strategy. <laughs> but, yeah, but you no, I mean, there, there, there's so many routes to go. Yeah, so many. And you met, and, and you know, as far as those routes, you've mentioned a couple of times the DSO route. And I think I shared with you uh, when we got, when we had lunch a couple of weeks ago that I had a client a few years ago who sold to a DSO and stayed on board for a little while and it did not go well. It ended up going very south. You know, they ended up in some some litigation and, you know, it was it was not a great parting parting of the ways. Um, and I feel like it could have been, you know, so much better on both sides, you know, if there had been I don't know, a little better communication or more sure. clear expectations. What would be your advice? And I'm not saying DSOs are good, good, bad, or indifferent, but but it's a different animal when you're selling to a DSO. What would be your your piece of advice to a dentist who's looking to sell their practice to a DSO? What are some of the questions that they need to ask? Yeah, no, I I think you're 100% spot on, and 
that's where um, obviously the here's the plug for me is you know uh, I talk with all these guys I know them all so it's easier for me to understand kind of who's going to be a good fit in the short term long term whatever it may be because they all provide I wouldn't say they all provide I mean they're all unique in different ways but um, some of them have you know a different long term play some allow you to exit some require you to be on three years five years uh, they kind of give you the carrot, dangle that carrot out there of this this recap or um, this liquidity event or however you want to call it. Um, some of them have that. Some of them have a more of hey a, a stock play to it. So there's a lot to weigh, um, and really that's kind of where the knowledge of having uh, you know worked with in some capacity, uh, either through a sale or seeing them in the the finance realm and understanding kind of what their background is really helps uh, for me to provide my clients. Um, so I know, right. hey, how long do you want to stay on? Okay, well, these guys might be a fit. Or, oh, you don't want to stay on? Well, these guys probably aren't a fit. Or, hey, you want this recap event? Well, these guys don't provide that. Or these guys aren't there yet. Or these guys are two to four years out where these guys are six to eight years out from that recapitalization event happening. And that just means more or less in layman's terms, one private equity group buys out another private equity group and everybody gets paid off. Right, um, right. And, yeah. and really it's challenging now too because like you said, they're hearing from their brother or another podcast or this or that that so-and-so got 16 times EBITDA. Well, you know, rewind three years ago, nobody even was using the term EBITDA as much and now everybody uses it. And so uh, do you know what that even stands for? That's an acronym. <laughs> right. do, you, do you know? Because that's, that's important. Um, and, and keep in mind too, DSOs are companies, they're corporations in some way, shape or form. So, you know, you think about a staggered corporation, probably the person making that initial phone call to you that's telling you your office is amazing and we're going to buy you for 16 times EBITDA. I'm not sure if that individual is going to be making the decision at the end of the day. So when you have people out there peppering the market, dialing for dollars, saying that you're amazing, we're going to give you all this money. It, create uh you know it doesn't create a true glimpse of what's out there because i mean i'll get called many times hey i got a call from the cso they said i'm worth this i'm going to do that it's going to be great and i just have a little more questions like we're talking about your practice well we do 550,000 and we have 450 active patients and i said okay well i don't think that that's really the play for the typical dso now maybe you can right. roll somebody in or do that i mean there's different routes to do it but I think it kind of, it, it creates a little uncertainty or if, if there's a lack of clarity a lot of times when it comes to, could I transact to a DSO? Would a DSO buy me? I mean, really nowadays, if you're not 1.25 to 1.5 million or greater in practice, you don't have 2,000 plus active patients. These are some of the caveats that most of them are looking for. So if you don't have that, it's not necessarily that you can't, but it's just, uh, it, it, right. it might be a fit for a smaller regional DSO and, small, and not the, right. the big corporate, you know, giant that's giving you a call that day. So um, right. I feel like the smaller regional DSOs are are on the increase. Yeah, I, I, I see. I see a lot more of those these days than I do the bigger corporate. You know, for a while I saw, you know, maybe five years ago, I saw tremendous growth in the bigger corporate DSOs. And right now I'm seeing tremendous growth in the smaller regional 
DSOs. I know in Colorado, gosh, there's been three or four of them that have popped up just in the past maybe two years, you know. Where yeah, got, it's all across uh, the board from GP right. practices to pedo practices exactly. to ortho, you know, oral surgery. All of them have a little niche. And um, right. I think you can be a little more nimble as a smaller group DSO structure. So you can maybe not have those lines in the sand of it has to be a practice of this size, this scope, of this ops, and this, that, you know, and right. just be a little more flexible. Right. I feel like... Um, well, or my experience with my client that didn't have a great experience with the DSO is I felt like the one thing that he didn't realize, too, was that, you know, maybe the way he liked to practice and his work personality wasn't the greatest fit. You know, he went from, you know, basically being the owner of a business, being the boss to being an employee you know, to not having that control and that say over, you know, how much production or how many days a week sure. it worked. And, and that, that was really, really tough. So I feel like that's something that is really basic, but, you know, maybe people miss. They, you know, they, they get kind of, you know, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to get that big payout, you know, when, when that DSO sells to the, to the next company. And, you know, they kind of get that pie in the sky, you know, that money stars in their eyes and, and they forget that between, you know, now and that point that they have, you know, they're going to have a boss and they're going to have maybe more than one boss and they're going to have production goals and, you know, things that they, they have to meet every week. And so again, I think that's where your strategy comes in is to making sure that's the right fit for somebody. So yeah, so I, no, so I, I mean that, 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 that exit strategy time frame is important and it's imperative to having the success if if you're looking yeah. to work for one year well it, that's that's different than a lot of the the, right. the typical structure that's going to be put in place or that's going to be expected of you and, right. and just like anything if you're selling i mean predominantly my business is private doctor to doctor sales i mean we do have dso sprinkled in here and there and and right. and and such but it's still doctor to doctor and that's a very strong market too but just like in a doctor-to-doctor -doctor transaction, in a private transaction, in a DSO transaction, you want to have everybody on the same page because if you have two, you know, buyer-seller going a different direction, it, it's probably not going to be the most successful transition. And so if you can, you know, head that off and make sure either A, we're moving forward together and this is great, or B, hey, maybe we're not and we need to come together or you know what it's probably not going to work going to work let's determine that early so that we're not you know further down the path or seeing this thing come to fruition and one side doesn't really want it right right no that makes complete sense so i'm i'm going to guess the answer to my next question do you do you feel um that the dental the dental industry is um still pretty strong as a whole or do you see some specific challenges in the in the dental market no i think i think it's very strong um i still think i mean dentistry i think is so essential. too uh, I, I think essential. so too i think it's a very essential strong during market. covid it's yeah uh, i don't see any uh, i think it's becoming more uh there's just more emphasis being put on where you're positioning yourself and what type of practice you're purchasing or what you're selling. I think that that has changed a little bit um, as, as more knowledge comes into the marketplace, as more 
strategies as more, you know, AI and all the other, you know, new pieces to dentistry that's come into play over the past five to seven years comes to be, uh, you'll see more of that. But it's still, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great market. Uh, COVID didn't crush it like it did to many other um, verticals within in the space. Um, here in Arizona, the, the practices were only seeing uh, emergencies for about six weeks, and then they were coming back to being able to see patients. I, I think while that had an effect on practices, it, it hasn't had an effect as much as of late. Um, I mean, most of them right. came back pretty strong. Uh, I think the, the, the challenging thing is either getting the, the patients to come back, which I think many have come back in full force, uh, but really, it's also trying to get to to get that team built up. I think that's where you're seeing the most challenges with practices I'm talking to is finding the associates, the assistants and the hygienists that are willing to come back or willing to work or now they have a certain, you know, ex- expectation that that's challenging to the, to the doc, doc, doctor, in my opinion. Absolutely. It is my all of my clients. Number one biggest challenge is staffing. You know, uh, finding them is the hardest mm-hmm. part and then being able to afford them. I mean, the yeah. hygienists are getting paid, you know, record uh, salaries right now. So and then things are changing, you know, all over the country in different states. Um, you, you know, Colorado's got a got a big legislative debate going on right now about mid-level providers. And so all that landscape is is changing. But yes, yeah, staffing is definitely, I, I'd say the you know, the, the biggest change or, or effect that COVID had on, on these practices for sure. So I agree with yeah. you. Um, I mean, I think also too, like you said, to make sure that that retention piece, because you can only continue to give so much, there's only so much meat on the bone until, right. uh, you know, we got to right. find it in another place to supplement that. So, uh, right. I mean, I think the market's right. strong. Um, we here at Fry Practice Sales, I mean, 2020 was a, was a great year. 2021 was a banner year. 2022 right. is heading to be another great year. So it's not, I don't see the, the, that the market is taking a, a dip. And I guess that's probably not a good terminology right now because yes, the market is taking a dip. Right. In the market market. The dental, the dental market, our market, the dental market. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Make sure in so, dental is yeah. what I'm talking about. We'll, we'll stay away from any discussions right. on yeah. the stock market. We, yeah, we don't want to go there, especially today, right? We're, we're right. not going to go there today. Um, Carl, are you exclusive to Arizona or can you work with practices anywhere? Um, I, I work nationwide. I really, so... Okay. Um, Something I do differently, I also am a commercial real estate broker too, so I have my own brokerage. So we help our clients with um, their commercial real estate needs too. So if it's leases, typically in any transition, there's going to be some sort of lease or building component so we can step in and help there. Um, helping from transitions nationwide, yeah, we do it nationwide. Uh, how, I, how I usually handle it is having a discussion with the client, determining what their needs are, and, and really just having a discussion, can I meet those needs? And um, if I can, great. Yeah, I'm happy to, to be anywhere nationwide and, and be the, you know, their, their eyes and ears and their health as much as they need. So um, yeah, I, I can help nationwide. I've done deals all over the place. So That's happy awesome. to help wherever I can. That's awesome. And as, as 
as I can see already, one of the things that differentiates you is is strategy, being able to help them help them understand what their their exit strategy is. What else differentiate differentiates you from from some of your competitors, Carl? Um, I think really it's just going back to the 15 years of lending and banking experience. So I, I, I rarely find a situation that I haven't worked through in some capacity or I, or I financed on my own or I did a deal. So I can pretty much talk you through what's going to happen or have that discussion with your banker saying, here's how we should set this up or here's how I would have done it if you guys do these types of products. Here's how I would suggest we do it. So it helps uh, to have that knowledge. Um, it's just like, you know, a, a doctor who has a hard procedure, if they've done this before, it's not a hard procedure. It's not right. something difficult for them. Or, you know, they can call somebody and say, hey, how would I do this? I've done it this way in the past. What do you think about this? And so having that open dialogue, I, I mean, hundreds upon hundreds of transactions I've done, I've thought through, I've been through from, you know, partnerships to associate buyouts to the commercial real estate aspect. And I think that's big that I can help on that because last thing you want is you don't, I don't think it's a good situation where you have one guy doing one thing, one gal doing another thing, one person doing this. And there's kind of, there's too many, you know, people, too many cooks in the kitchen, if you will. So I, I like the fact that my company, we, we can help from the banking, we can help from the commercial real estate. And obviously that all impacts the transition plan. So um, I think it's a good approach and it kind of, it sets us apart differently where we can help from all aspects and really, you know, be a fiduciary in so many different, different ways to our clients. Well, that's, that's awesome. And I know you have a very successful business, very, very happy, successful clients. And, uh, you know, your rep, your, your reputation precedes you. So I, I think that's awesome. Carl, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing all of your experience and expertise with us. Um, I'm just so excited to have had the opportunity to chat with you today. Um, tell me, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Yeah, I mean, you can come to our website. It's www.frypracticesales.com. Uh, you can call me. I mean, that's the nice thing I tell you. I do everything for my clients. Call me on my cell. It's 480-599-6958. You can email me, Carl at Fry Practice Sales. It's Carl, K-A-R-L at Fry, F-R-Y-E, practice sales.com. Happy to chat, talk through any sort of, you know, ideas you have, plans you have, and maybe put together a game plan and and be, you know, some sort of help. Um, Worst case scenario, I, I, I always like to give as much knowledge as I can. I think in this dental niche that we play in, it's not six degrees of seven of separation. It's more like three degrees of Kevin Bacon. Everybody knows each other. So it's kind of like, I want to be a, I want to be a help because at some point our paths will likely cross or someone will need my services. And I want you or whoever it is to say, you know what? I worked with Carl. He was great. Or, you know what? I didn't work with Carl, but he was still great and he helped me out. So I would give him a call and you know, to be a sounding board to, to help because like you said, I have a, have a ton of knowledge and I'm happy to share it um, and just be, be a benefit to, to you know, the, the dental niche, the dental clients and, and just be, be helpful out there in the marketplace. That is awesome. Thank you again so much, Carl. And I will definitely have a link to Carl's website on, my, on the page where my podcasts are. So if you want to get in touch with Carl, all you have to do is click on the link there. Um, feel free to, you know, talk with him anytime. He's so knowledgeable, as you can tell. 
Thank you everybody for listening today to uh, the Metal Marketing Podcast. And remember, if you want to have a great day, go out and make it a great day. Are you committed to the growth of your practice? Mettler Marketing can help. At Mettler Marketing, we help dental practices gain new patients, increase referrals, and maximize patient retention with customized marketing solutions tailored to fit your needs. Visit www.mettlermarketing.com to schedule a free consultation and learn how we can help grow your practice. Thank you for tuning in to the Mettler Marketing Podcast. Please share this episode with your friends and colleagues. If you would like to be a guest on our show, visit MettlerMarketing.com and drop us a note. Remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast and help our show reach more listeners.